Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Partly Political Broadcast, the comedy politics podcast that would tell it like it is, but doesn't quite know how to do a bored screen. This is episode 159, I'm Tiernan Duyeb, and how do you solve a problem like wanting to leave the EU but promising there'll be no physical Irish border? Well, according to Prime Minister and melting Sasquatch Boris Johnson, you fulfil your promise by having two physical borders instead. Ah, ingenious idea. I mean, how can anyone organise sectarian violence at the dividing line if they don't know which one to meet at? I'm not sure why people haven't operated this policy before. I mean, concerned about that escaped murderer lurking in your area? It's okay, we've released another five of them, so you won't waste your time looking everywhere for the one you recognise from the news. Aware that the last thing your garden needs is a hidden landmine? Well, don't fret, we've put 500 of the things in there, so your fear of death will be spread out till it's so thin it's almost non-existent. Or maybe I've just got all of this wrong, and Johnson is actually planning to add one more border to his alternative backstop proposal, working on the comedy rule of three. I mean, sure, there's anger at the first border check, confusion at the second, but then there'll be laughter at the sheer gall of the third. And then, hey, why stop there? Why not have 45 borders so that people crossing between Northern Ireland and the Republic laugh at the third one, but then become annoyed by the seventh, but then suddenly are in hysterical fits of giggles by number 28? The full backstop alternative plan is to make Northern Ireland neither like the UK or the EU, but a weird sort of in-between land, a kind of trading purgatory, if you will, or an entire nation of airport departure land, but without the duty-free. So, Northern Ireland, who've stated they wanted the same as the UK, won't get that, but also won't get the EU membership benefits either, and will now have two whacking great big borders around it, which Boris is calling a broad landing zone, something you'd only need if you know there's a large chance you're going to miss the runway when you nosedive. When I worked in a job in Camden Council some years ago, everyone in the office took it in turns to make the tea for everyone else. And I realised early on that if I made really bad tea that either stewed far too long or nowhere near enough, then they stopped asking me to do it. And I would instead always receive tea while checking the internet on my computer instead of doing any work. This, I fear, is Boris Johnson's tactic with his attempt at a Brexit deal, which isn't the same as tea because people care about tea so much that I think the British would actually make an effort to ensure it's done properly despite divisions. 
I wonder if Boris thinks that if he just keeps bringing them shit idea after shit idea, then maybe the EU will just go, oh, for fuck's sake, it's easier if you go away and we just sort it out ourselves, or potentially just scrap it, ignore you and ask you not to call again. You can tell this might be the plan, not because Johnson specialises in being a bullshitter in a china shop, but also because he's called this alternative backstop a genuine attempt to bridge a chasm. Well, we all know how he fares with bridge plans. I mean, honestly, he's wasted so much money and time on bridges now, I'm amazed his name is Piers. The European Union say they'll decide by the end of the week whether a new Brexit deal is possible, because by that point they'll have finally stopped laughing and sending each other memes about how maybe the best way to ensure no one has to put up with a Boris Johnson ever again is to clone him, so there's two Boris Johnsons. The Prime Minister says a deal will totally happen if the EU are willing, which is a more consensual stance to making relationships than we're used to from Boris. Of course, what he actually means is that whatever happens will somehow be the EU's fault if they say no, which again does fit with recent allegations. Johnson's asked the EU to thrash out their objections to his plans, saying that they hadn't given specific criticism, but it's hard to be specific, isn't it, when all of it's shit. A leaked memo showed that senior government aides have ordered Conservatives to call the EU crazy if they reject the multi-border approach, because that's what the Conservative Party is now, a cheap American carpet superstore with deals you'd be crazy to miss, but if you don't miss them, you've likely taken on something that was haphazardly put together and extremely prone to fire. Which does actually fit with what the UK could become, as a leaked document from the Department of Environment, Food and Rural Affairs has warned that in order to get decent trade deals from the US post-Brexit, the UK will have to relax its rules governing animal welfare and pesticide levels on food. But on the plus side, if there's also big delays in getting medicines, being 50% extra hormones and 50% brain spray should destroy absolutely everything in our system, including germs and our internal organs. Maybe that's the combination they were handing out at the end of the Conservative conference last week, as how else do you explain Home Secretary and Westminster's Carmelita Spat, Pretty Patel, saying that this daughter of immigrants needs no lectures from the North London metropolitan liberal elite. Which is odd, as she was born in Islington, in North London, by parents who were born in Harrow in, yes again, North London. But then maybe Pretty Patel is just openly admitting that even she doesn't listen to her own nonsensical babble. Some have said that actually saying North London Metropolitan Liberal Elite is an anti-Semitic slur, but I guess her colleague Chancellor and TV's bod, Sajid Javid, did say the day before that they were the real party of Labour. Patel said that the UK would be adopting an Australian point-style immigration system, which based on Aussie rules, I think means we get the most if we continue to kick ourselves without anyone else's help. If, as Patel says, it'll encourage only the brightest and the best to come to the UK for work, does that mean most of the government will be encouraged to leave so we can get some decent foreign workers in there instead? It's so weird that anyone would announce ending the free movement of people once and for all without then adding an evil laugh and pointing a laser at a large building or the sun. But maybe that's because Pretty Patel can't work out she wants to be a baddie or some sort of anti-hero as she told the conference that to criminals, she simply says, we're coming for you. Which really sounds like she just wants to dress up as Batman for a bit and then run around at night. I suppose it could also mean that she'll be hitting up those criminals to see if they'll join the party, especially as its leader might be joining those deemed as illegal very, very soon. Yes, Johnson's leadership speech was, as predicted, pointless waffle, talking about how we sell Jason Donovan's CDs to North Korea, which, if that's true, might explain why they're so hostile to everyone and keep their borders closed. He said an Oxfordshire science lab is on the verge of creating commercially viable nuclear fusion reactors, which scientists have said is completely wrong and will take at least 30 to 40 years, though maybe that explains Johnson's get Brexit done message if he thinks four decades is round the corner. 
He said that the public have more say over I'm a Celebrity than they do the House of Commons, which is an odd statement to make when voters' choices in both and they need to ensure that someone will have to eat insects eventually in order to survive. But none of that, nor a weird incident involving his aides arguing over giving Johnson a coffee, saying no disposable cups, though no one's sure if that's for the environmental message or just that no one trusts Boris not to spill things on himself. None of those detracted from the fact that the Prime Minister may be a big old crim crim. When interviewed, US tech entrepreneur and what if Lucy Davis was soulless, Jennifer R. Curie refused to answer any questions on whether or not her and Johnson were banging when he gave her a shit ton of public cash during his time as London Mayor. When asked if Johnson ever used the pole dancing pole in her living room, she also declined to answer, which, to be honest, I was super pleased about as no one wants the image of what looks like a flesh beanbag trying to attend to a fire emergency embedded in their head for life. Whether or not they were together is not the important bit anyway, but more if Johnson and Arkiri's relationship meant that she inappropriately got money to help her business, or if it was just hash money so that she wouldn't release pictures of Johnson trying to do a teddy pike and looking like someone is dangerously undercooked a Kirby shish kebab. Then there's the Ben Act that insists the Prime Minister write to the EU to ask for an Article 50 extension if a deal hasn't been agreed on by October the 19th, something that Number 10 said the government would abide by, only for hours later Johnson to tweet, new deal or no deal, no delay, as though he'd happily break the law all the while speaking like a rejected Alice in Wonderland character. Various Number 10 sources have suggested the government have found a loophole to avoid being tied to the Ben Act, but based on all the legal experts saying they definitely haven't, I'm thinking the PM's top three ideas include sending a separate follow-up letter that simply says, not, blaming the first letter on his evil doppelganger Joris Bonson, and pretending autocorrect changed the words last minute and they actually asked for a tickle fit extension. I mean, I've no idea what it is, but Johnson might have got one from Jennifer Arcuri's house and paid her £100,000 for it. Again, we enter another week where everyone is clueless as to what might happen, and there is talk that the government will prorogue Parliament again, despite being deemed unlawful last time. And Boris apparently has dared the Queen to sack him. Now, I don't think she would, but hopefully she might instead insist that Philip drive him around for a bit, and then he can see what it's like to crash out against all advice. In other news, Labour say they won't back a government of national unity unless party leader and personified side Jeremy Corbyn leads it, despite his parliamentary party saying that they want a referendum before an election, which he doesn't. Meanwhile, the Lib Dems, who avidly state they don't want a no deal, won't join a government of national unity if Jeremy Corbyn leads it, as apparently they prefer a no deal to that. I mean, it really says something about how low the possibilities are of pulling a divided country together when there'd be more cohesion between the same ends of two massive magnets. It has been touted that other leaders of a government of national unity could be Narnia resident Speaker John Burko, because nothing says unity like a man who's had several accusations of bullying made against him. It's been proposed that Burko could lead a cabinet of all talents, which sounds like the world's most disappointing Harry Potter book, and includes such MPs as deflated Mr Blobby, Ken Clark, and what if Isha did a painting of a nose, Vince Cable. Potentially, I guess, with the aim of boring people to a better Brexit. Meanwhile, the Lib Dems have been using profiling on every voter in the country to give them a score and work out specific characteristics. I'd really like to check mine as I'm sure it's a very low number with my main strength being eye rolling and telling people who profile me to fuck right off. The party have denied that it's being used to target social media ads and say instead it's just to save weary voters from unwelcome canvassing. So I guess it'll mostly encourage Lib Dem candidates to stay at home a lot during the next election. Conservative MP and what if Samwise Gamgee was a racist, Sir Desmond Swain, wrote a blog boasting about how he blacked up to dress up as James Brown for a fancy dress party and said it was fun, insisting that he'd only not do it again because it was hard to wash off. I'm not sure if he was referring to the makeup or the horrific inherent bigotry. 
The Conservative Party have done absolutely nothing about it, even though it's now been six days since Swain posted the blog with pictures. So in the words of the late, great James Brown, who Swain did not deserve to imitate, please, please, please kick in the fuck out of the party. Okay, James Brown didn't sing the last bit, but I'm pretty sure he would have. Former Prime Minister and current Carbonite sculpture, Theresa May, says she has no regrets over her career and that she had a fantastic time as Prime Minister. Now, before you criticise those comments, one definition of fantastic is that it means imaginative or fanciful and remote from reality. So, yeah, I guess that's fair. And lastly, tonnes of British fruit has gone to waste due to a lack of seasonal workers to harvest it, thanks to Brexit fears. Further proof the government definitely can't cherry-pick the Brexit they want. Labour MP and someone who I'm certain I'll one day see fronting a band from 1987 on top of the pop too, but looking exactly as she does now, Stella Creasy, is going to become the first MP to get a low-cum replacement while she's on maternity leave. Should make a nice balance for our Prime Minister, who according to most stories, is completely cum. And former Conservative MP and walking conglomerate charity advert Rory Stewart is standing down as an MP in order to run for London Mayor. I'm not sure that what London is looking for is a rich, pro-austerity, eaten, educated, white, middle-aged country lad, but I do look forward to his campaign mostly consisting of him lurking around Kew Gardens in a mat like a flasher and getting arrested. Stewart said on Channel 4 News that his favourite pub was not a pub, but pret a which really makes him sound like an idiot as it takes a lot of effort to get pissed in a pret a plus they kick you out if you vom on the hot breakfast section. I should know. Still, it's that sort of weird, totally unconnected insight that means up against Sadiq Khan and the others, it's likely Rory Stewart has just given his career a rap that wasn't anywhere near as satisfying as he'd have expected from the cost. Oh, and former Conservative MP and Change UK MP and Independent MP and the sort of person who would use a professional photo shoot pic for their driving licence, Heidi Allen, has joined the Lib Dems, which is a shock, but mostly because I thought she already had done ages and ages ago. Hey, 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 Parpol Brods, and thank you for tuning in. And look, I'm not going to lie, this week's podcast is a brief old show as I am on solo parent duty this week and my daughter has just taken nearly three hours uh, to put down for sleep. And I would scream, but it would probably just wake her up again, which would be the worst case scenario. And also it would deafen all of you, so I'm not going to do it. Um, What it does mean, uh, and I apologise for this really, but it means this admin ramble is super short. Uh, It means the podcast is super short. There's no sharp gags on any of the Trump stuff because there's too much of it. And frankly, if he trusted Boris and the Ukrainian comedian for advice on his rival, he has clearly lost it as you'd get better more coherent info yelling into a well uh, also uh, there's nothing on the Extinction Rebellion lot uh, this week even though there should be but solidarity and top work from them um, hopefully they'll just appreciate that I'm saving the energy and there's about five other things I forgot to talk about this week because my brain has absolutely melted having to sing nursery rhymes on end uh, for about three hours oh my god it was exhausting uh, there's also no middle bit either which was going to be Brexit fallout but let's face it nothing has actually happened again so maybe just listen to a repeat from a few weeks ago sorry 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 but also not sorry it's entirely Minnie Duyeb's fault and feel free to write her hate mail about it as she can't read and it'll mostly just make it make feel better ready so do it um, so very quickly uh, for this bit um, some things um, the live podcast gig which my daughter won't be at so it will run to time is still happening um even if it isn't Brexit that week, or it might be Brexit, or it might half be Brexit, who actually knows? Um, 29th of October at 2 North Down in King's Cross. There is a lineup and everything. It will be fun. Just grab tickets from 2NorthDown.com or the link in this pod blurb. Um, please come. I have some very fun things planned. Um, secondly, my brother, whose music I still for this show, The Last Skeptic, has 
a new track out called Scumbag Anthem and it's great go grab it from Music Places and his album will be out at the end of November and thirdly I've been on a podcast that isn't this one Cast and Shock which is the Desert Island Dicks podcast and it's brilliant and I talk about the three people I mean not necessarily my episode just all of it is brilliant the Richard Herring episode where he mainly slagged off Bing was a proper delight um, on my episode I talk about the three people I'd least like to be trapped on a desert island with my choices will be fairly unsurprising if you're a regular listener to this show uh, but do check it out and lastly uh, I mentioned it a few weeks ago but um yeah, rubbish really but the way in which the podcast platform I am on Acast you are brilliant um, but the way that they measure podcast listens has now changed which means immediately in terms of numbers uh, several hundred of you have just vanished uh, from the stats uh, I mean I'm hoping you're still there physically and it isn't like the leftovers or something uh, or like sort of you know Infinity War I'm hoping you're still there in reality it's all to do with platforms and times listened and supposedly it's good for tackling bots and helping advertisers merdy 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 mer um, but what it means for me is that the pittance i earn for the show is even less than pittance now and all the podcast charts market even lower and all that sort of nonsense so if you have the time and the want to tell people about this podcast and get them listening please do maybe not this episode who knows um and if you're a proper champ and fancy giving it a review please please do that because it does really help and if you want to help me i don't know afford to maybe get childcare in or soundproof my room so i can't hear my daughter if she won't sleep or you know just buy valium but for me then please donate to the kofi ko fi.com forward slash purple bro site or patreon.com forward slash purple bro as genuinely it really fucking helps um what is on this week's show is an interview with the brilliant ruth ibeg Buna, who started the roots program a, a wonderful initiative to actually bring people together as in you know sort of get on with each other not just go all fight club or anything that wouldn't be helpful um normal service on this podcast will resume next week i promise but until then have this which is genuinely good Before June 23rd, 2016, it is safe to say that the only thing that really divided British people uh, was Marmite. Oh, and class, ethnicity, religion and garden hedge disputes. But really, yeah, it was mostly Marmite, wasn't it? But the Brexit result and the ensuing three years of nothing happening loudly brought in new divides and largely exacerbated old ones, meaning that your Marmite preference pales into significance compared to whether you'll leave or remain, a baby boomer who bought all the homes, or a millennial who supposedly bought all the avocados, but come on, let's face it, if you can't afford to live anywhere, you may as well enjoy some tasty green snacks. And then there's the elites versus the elites who say they aren't the elites, the people who think they're British versus the people who are British but aren't sure they want to be anymore, people who quote tweet versus people who tag the the names in of the people you're subtweeting in a reply to yourself, everyone who likes the Joker movie versus people who've had sex, Slytherin versus Gryffindor, all the classic political divides plus the divides within their own parties and more. And I mean, if the phrase United We Stand, Divided We Fall is true, then right now Britain is doing a mass replication of Radiohead's video for Just and refusing to stop once the track has ended. What can be done about it? Well, surely a sensible way would be to work on a Brexit solution that actually listens to everyone and finds a middle ground, then puts in place a number of funds and projects that could bring people together. But, you know, with newspapers calling people traitors, politicians still using words like surrender, MPs like Constantine and Fungus the Bogeyman, Marc Francois, stomping around with a pan on his head, carrying a large stick that he found that looks like a gun and screaming that this is a war, and the Prime Minister dismissing the violent murder of Joe Cox with Dickensian disregard, and Twitter full of people saying everyone but them is stupid, where do you even begin to heal that rift? I mean, yes, you're right, maybe we should have another Olympics, but something needs to happen sooner for everyone's sake. Luckily, there are people that have taken it into their own hands to make others realise that we have more in common than divides us, excluding Marmite, obviously. 
And this week, I spoke to Ruth Ibegbuna, who started up the Roots programme, an initiative that aims to bring people together from different walks of life and have them, well, talk in order to understand their differences and, more importantly, work out their similarities. I love the sound of this project, and I was so pleased Ruth was up for a chat to tell me all about it. They're currently fundraising to get the project further, as you'll hear in our chat, but if you can, do check out the GoFundMe link that I'll pop later in the show and in all the show notes. A very quick one of these, though. Sorry. Excuses, excuses! Slightly muffly audio this week, because sometimes phones are shit. Yeah, take that, Alexander Graham Bell. Alexander Graham Bellin, more like. <laughs> anyway, I've made it as unmuffly as possible, and it does get better after the first minute or so, and it's definitely worth sticking with, as Ruth told me all about what has caused these divides, how to heal them, and exactly what they do in the Roots programme. Oh, and it really doesn't matter if you don't like Marmite, because, hey, it leaves more for me. Here's Ruth. Hi, Ruth. Um, it's great to talk to you today. And uh, the Roots programme sounds very, very timely uh, indeed. Um, I wondered if you could start by just telling us um, a bit about it and why you started it. OK, well, good morning. Um, the reason we started Roots was, oh, I suppose, it was linked to Brexit. I was interested in issues with division in the UK way before Brexit, but Brexit really highlighted it. And I was living in a very working crop area in Stockport and I woke up the morning after the result and um, the men who lived across the road were kind of dancing <laughs> in the road doing the conga um, and shouting happy Independence Day to people as we were walking the kids to school. Um, and, and I tell that story because people have not seen that and I've not seen that on the news. Um, and it was a, a day of absolute jubilation where I lived, real jubilation. Um, and then a few days later, I was doing my job as a CEO and I was in London and I was talking about the country and I was really kind of heckled quite badly about the fact that I work in working class communities in the north and people were saying that some people are too stupid to vote and the vote should be removed from some people. And I just thought, wow, you know, here you've got two, two groups of people who probably don't know each other very well um, and are pretty hostile towards each other. Um, and kind of what can we do to bring people in UK who will never meet closer together. Wow, it's two completely polar opposites. And I think that's something that Brexit's really highlighted, hasn't it? That there are definitely people in Britain that don't understand each other. Don't understand each other, don't know each other, have never been to the areas. I mean, for me, I just Britain's a tiny place, right? You know, like, I am a very curious person. I'm the kind of person like, I wonder what Gloucester's like. I'm going to Gloucester. <laughs> and I'll just go there and have a look and go, oh, I, I like Gloucester, fair enough. Um, but I think it's quite easy in the UK for, for us to get around and, and and see more than the area in, in which we live and know more about people. But we're just so polarised and people don't necessarily understand the kind of trials and tribulations and challenges of people in other areas of the country um, or even their kind of motivations for doing what they've done. Yeah, it's fascinating. I do for, for stand-up comedy. I've travelled around the country for years and uh, it's always interesting saying to people like, oh, you know, I was in Birmingham this week and I was in Sheffield and they think, oh my goodness, that's miles away. It's really not. It's really not that far at all. It's not. <laughs> well, my, my family are all Londoners. My parents both Londoners. I'm, I'm from a, you know, a long line of Londoners. And then they came up north and had me. Um, and so I'm just like token Northerner in a sea of, of London in their boomers. Um, so I've just always had that thing about you know, London's been like my second home. I've always spent a lot of time there. Um, you know, I'm there every week. Um, so I've got a, a very relaxed sense of, of London and being from the North. But I think that that's not necessarily um, a two-way thing. And I don't think it's something that's replicated a lot. So the Roots programme, um, how 
how do you begin to bring people together? What what are you doing within the programme that will uh, that will we'll start fixing this? Well, I think we were just overwhelmed with the scale of kind of the challenges at the moment in the UK. So in the end, it's like, right, what little things can we do with the Roots programme? And the first thing we decided was to start having um, cultural exchanges of people from very different kind of socioeconomic, geographic, um, political backgrounds who would come and spend time with each other, visit each other's houses, meet each other's families, cook a meal together, talk about their priorities, show people where they live, what they love about where they live, what's the challenge in where they live, and then a month later to invite that other person back. So we're focusing, first of all, on kind of London um, versus the rest of the country. <laughs> and I'm using versus in, you know, quotation marks, but the idea that people will come out of London and will spend time, um, whether it's in the Welsh families or whether or not it's in parts of Yorkshire or whether it's in part of Manchester, meet those families, and then a month later, invite those people back to see them. And we're also running a concurrent programme that's about state and private schools. Because for me, as an ex-teacher, that's absolutely crucial that we get those kids who are actually studying in top public schools to understand that there are many people in this country who live very differently to them, who also have skills and talents, and to get them to have exchanges with them and to see what state education is like and how other young people live. Yeah, that's very important. Also, kids are so, uh, it's it's much, I don't know, they find it a lot easier to kind of understand and accept other people um, and be open to to other people thinking differently. Um, And it sort of always feels like if you start there, then they'll grow up to kind of continue with those values. Well, yeah, and I think part of the mess that we're in as a country is because we've got um, leadership, um, and I'm not even just talking about kind of the the current prime minister, etc., but I think a lot of our political leaders don't have that kind of empathy and understanding and awareness beyond their circle. Um, and we don't have enough leaders who've come from kind of council estates or have come from different parts of the country and state educated young people. Um, and I think it's really important that we develop the leadership of those young people as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And and so in terms of the, the, the grown-ups that you're dealing with, um, the, the more difficult ones, <laughs> the, the, uh, as opposed to children, um, what how 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 are you getting them together? What does the actual program involve? Like how do how does it work out? Is it is it meetings? Is it kind of big groups of people? So it's individual. Yeah, yeah. So it's that, the way it starts off is people people nominate themselves, and, and it's more like there's Al chasing down with an email and begging them to join the program, and then they're, they're kind of hooked. But um, they they nominate themselves onto the program usually with a great sense of trepidation. They are then um, paired up in a kind of X factor style with um, an appropriate. Uh, an appropriate pairing somewhere else in the country. We then introduce them by phone, by Skype, um, and then they have um, their first exchange where one person visits the other. It's quite relaxed. It's a sense of there's five hours. There's certain things they've got to do in that five hours. They don't have to talk about Brexit. They can talk about their community. They can talk about their families. Um, And then afterwards, we ask them to go back and reflect on what did they see in that person's life that surprised them? What was different? What did it make them feel about their own lives? And then a month later, the whole process is reversed. So they will then become the host. Um, and then a month after that, we're hosting um, Vision Days where we get all the people who've been for exchanges together and we ask them about kind of what did you see that you liked or didn't like? What did it tell you about the way you live your life? Um, and then work together as a group to say, what kind of UK do we want to see? Are we happy with what we've got? How do we want it to be different? If we're going to get to that place, what will I have to give up or do differently in my own life to get there? And then we're getting people to make a pledge of, of difference um, in terms of if we're going to get to a UK that feels a bit more united and compassionate. 
That's brilliant. I've been looking at something recently called Participatory Futures, which is all about getting people involved in the idea of what their their own future could be and what they'd like to see in a hopeful future. You know, I've, I've seen that uh, or been reading about how that makes a difference in how people think. And, and obviously this is a pilot. Um, you're currently in your pilot phase of this. But have you noticed... You know, already are people being more hopeful? How you know? How are they connecting? Is there anything that you're kind of already seeing from these people coming together? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the first the first thing that's come through is people become very reflective about their own lives, um, and and you immediately get some guilt from those who maybe are more advantaged or more privileged, um, feeling, oh God, you know, I've, I've got all this privilege. What have I done with it? Have I, you know, have I been wasting my time? Um, should I be doing more? Because they're being paired with people who may be doing more in their community. Um, but then it's about okay, but you know you've got that privilege, you've got more money. That's that's fine. You know, like what what are you doing with your time? What are your values? What are your ethics? How are you connecting beyond your your bubble? Um, so it's, I think it's provoking people to be quite reflective about their choices, um, and also maybe to be um, far more aware and respectful of those who've got very different life for themselves. And what we found at the moment is there are so many people who feel quite hopeless about the state of the UK that people are wanting to do this because it's more for kind of, I need to feel like I'm doing something rather than just sitting back and consuming news and feeling overwhelmed. At least if I'm taking part in a route exchange, I can say that I'm, I'm trying something, something small, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying something. Absolutely, yeah. And it's, I mean, it, uh, somebody said this to me recently, that just being active or just taking part not only helps your community, but helps yourself, helps your own. And uh, yeah, it definitely sort of, yeah, like you say, it makes you, makes you feel less useless about it all, I guess, especially in these kind of turbulent times. I guess it gives people some sort of hope and feels like they're part of something. Yeah, and and, and I think there's something about feeling connected, which is absolutely essential. And right now we feel very disconnected. So it's all about connecting you to someone that you probably wouldn't have met before and, and help to find a common ground. And right now, I think that lack of connection, we've got people looking at our leaders and just going, you can't do this. You can't do this. You know, our leaders don't seem to have the empathy and compassion needed to heal this country. Um, and so people are maybe stepping into, OK, I'm going to try and do something myself, as opposed to waiting for it to come down from on high, which to me is a very kind of healthy way for us to be moving. And we'll be back with Ruth in a minute. But first, there's no middle bit this week because I am so tired. So just have this advert, which will either be something brilliant or terrible government propaganda that I slagged off in the first 10 minutes, or there won't be an advert and you'll just get this really weird, eerie break where you can just maybe contemplate death. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. And now, yes, it was a lot to think about, wasn't it? Hmm. Back to Ruth. Yeah, definitely. Very healthy. I mean, we're we're speaking just... uh days after uh boris johnson has said humbug to uh you know uh, another mp talking about the murder of joe cox it's all been very divisive this past week i mean do you do you feel like the uh you know and from maybe what you've, you've seen the program do you feel like the divisive language of politicians is having a direct effect on the way people think and act because i find it quite hard to work out if big newspaper headlines are feeding people directly or if it's a longer kind of trickier process that or maybe it's just making people miserable i think it's, uh, to me it's been, i mean I, I watched the house comments this week and i was i was just depressed and appalled but maybe not as appalled as ever, ever like, this, is, this is the worst thing that's ever happened is it? and i think it's reflecting how the, the, the country you know there's a lot of divisive language going on our media I mean, look at the newspaper headlines you know we need to as a country put a full stop and just say this is not who we are and and if it is who we are, it's not who we want to be. And until we get that, until we actually have a, a sign off on that from our politicians, from our media, from our leaders, from our communities, saying we're not travelling down this road, it's going to continue. It's going to continue. And there is very little moral or courageous leadership demonstrated in the House of Commons. And that's what I found profoundly depressing. You know, I've worked with young people my whole life. And to feel that they're watching this and thinking, wow, these are the people at the top. Yeah, it it doesn't sort of create. Um, I don't know. I always think that teachers must be having a really hard time right now, sort of talking to kids. Going, you know, if you don't stop misbehaving, you'll end up as prime minister. Probably. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's interesting as well that you mentioned the, the kind of privilege element um, earlier. It's obviously, the UK's had class divides for many years. It's been a big issue. But is is Brexit now kind of, you know, making people ignore the other issues that are causing divisions? Because everything now is either leave or remain. But as you said, people are talking about their communities and about other aspects in which their lives might be different. Um, do you think that, that Brexit is kind of obscuring other issues that are perhaps growing and becoming more of a problem because of it? Yeah, I think Brexit's becoming, you know, that, that's become the lines, the fault lines on which we measure everything in this country. And, you know, it it, it, it masks the fact that a lot of this was there before, you know, that I'm a black woman and I sometimes roll my eyes when this tweets about kind of, you know, um, Brexit calls racism in the UK. No. I'm not saying that Brexit hasn't exacerbated some of it and also allow people to step out until they can speak boldly about things. But, you know, Tommy Robinson and his friends didn't emerge on the day of Brexit. You know, there were people being shouted at in the street and people being abused well before that vote. Um, but I think it's allowed people now to put everything on to Brexit, which masks the fact that actually a lot of what caused Brexit was happening well before that. Um, and it's also allowed us not to maybe not spend time 
unpicking some of the causes of discontent that led to Brexit. You know, it's a small thing, but I spend two days a week in London. And every time I come back, I'm curious at, at the disparity in my transport provision in Yorkshire and what I get as soon as I step off in Houston. And, and I'm incandescent with rage about the fact that we are absolutely fed nonsense about our um, transport infrastructure in the north compared to what happens in London. Now, that's just one example. But I think the unfairness that people feel about their lives and also whether it's fair or misplaced that London gets far more than the rest of the country, we've, we've just papered over that. And I think that work needs to be done to look at that issue of fairness. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the Northern Powerhouse thing never really, uh, never really came through, did it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We never really found that power. No, no, not at all, not at all. Despite the uh, supposed promises, um, and and obviously, of course, uh, at your program, which which does sound fantastic, and and as it sort of mentioned, obviously, it was caused by you know you started it because of Brexit, but it does feel very timely. It feels incredibly necessary right now. How do how can people get involved in it? Um, you're in your pilot scheme at the moment. Are you, are you sort of continuing to run things, or is there going to be a new? set of uh, groups coming up how do how do people take part and how can they help you grow so that's a good question and um, so we're looking at at the moment we've got um, 24 people going through um, our pilot program so that'll be completed by november and then we're looking for another cohort of about 50 people to take part in the next phase so we're asking people to step forward put themselves forward as participants um, we want people who are curious and compassionate and can listen deeply um, and are interested in learning about other people. I think Brexit has allowed a lot of people to have an entrenched viewpoint and to stick to that viewpoint and to shout louder and louder and louder about how they feel and how angry they are, whatever side they're on. And Roots is almost the opposite of that. It's going into a, an environment that's not yours and just being respectful and listening and then reflecting and being quiet and responsive to that. And to me, that feels like the complete opposite of what's going on. So we're asking people to step forward as participants we're always looking for help funders because crowdfunding got us to this stage. Nine funders turned us down and said, you know, we're not set up for this kind of work, which I find terrifying as well. I'm like, my God, if you're not set up for a kind of healing the country, what, what on earth are you set up for? Um, so, yeah, we, we just need support in terms of people coming forward as participants or supporters. And, there's, there's a, and you've got a big event going on on October the 16th. Is that right? Can you tell me a bit more about what that is? Yeah, we've got an event at the Freud's in London on the 16th. Because what we found really interesting is loads of people from different regions across the country have put themselves up, especially from working-class communities, have put themselves up as participants. What we haven't had are London people who um, run businesses or are CEOs or um, are interested. And we need London to respond to this because there's no good kind of the rest of the country reaching out and London not reaching back. So we're holding an awareness event at Freud's um, six to eight o'clock on the 16th of October and we'd love for Londoners to come down and hear a bit more about this you know we want to connect with you yeah 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 and it's yeah it's it also amazing as you mentioned that you know we do hear all the extreme views uh online whether it's remain or leave and so many people I meet are very much in the middle and just a bit confused and just you know uh generally still want to have a chat um so important and, and i wanted to ask apart from uh your work obviously in the roots program um what else can people do if they're not taking part in your program if they're not one of the people that that, that is is uh you know currently involved in the groups what, what else can be done what else are you kind of recommending people do um in these kind of times to repair divisions well one of the things i mean there's a couple of organizations that are, are doing some really interesting work like i mentioned and i think the other thing that we're asking people to do we, we set homework you can tell the next teacher but we, we give people homework you know things like 
just for a week, get your news from a different source. Just for one week, you know. I I I didn't buy it because I couldn't do that, but I I got my news from um I read what was being said on the Daily Mail for a week, and it was horrible, very traumatic for me. But it was important reading those comments and understanding what people because none of my friends write things like that, none of the people that I care about would write things like that. But I feel that I have to educate myself on how other people in this country feel and live and what their priorities are. So we ask people to look at different news sources for a week. We ask people to go and visit um, different areas that they might not have been to before. Um, we ask people to um, maybe go and visit people in their area or see the people who need visits and the people who might need shopping things for them. Just to do small acts that will, A, make you feel much better because you feel like you're being active um, and taking part in your community, but also they help to bridge divide. So that's what we're asking people to do. There's also great organisations like um, Care Family. They're an organisation that kind of pair off young professionals with old community and they do activities together. So they'd be a great one to look at. So in lots of cities. And um, there's more in common. So they, at the moment, doing a piece of research that's looking at kind of what the divides have been across the UK and do some really interesting research around that. But I think it's about starting local and doing it yourself, not relying on big organisations. Thanks so much to Ruth for having time to talk to me. Uh, you can find the Roots programme at rootsprogram.org where there is a link to the fundraiser under the support tab. Uh, they're also on Twitter at Program Roots and the same on Facebook too. The other links that Ruth recommends will be on the partlypoliticalbroadcast.co.uk website very soon. Do you know of any positive campaigns or people doing positive things to help scrape us out of this political quagmire or someone who can explain something about an issue that's largely being ignored thanks to all the Brexit shouting or an issue that I just haven't covered on the last 159 episodes of this podcast? Get in touch and let me know. Um, of course, you can do that by the contact page on the website, the at Bro Twitter account, the Partly Political Broadcast group on Facebook or email me on partlypoliticalbroadcast at gmail.com, preferably with a picture of your recommended interviewee written in Marmite across your walls, just so I know you're a true ally and that's all for this week's slightly truncated partly political broadcast podcast and thank you to you and your ears or whichever orifice you use to listen to this show with i mean who am i to judge and if you do enjoy the show or perhaps get a thrill from partaking in a whole hour of listening each week that you absolutely loathe then why not recommend the show to someone you love or hate but want revenge on Send them the website or podcast app links and give them a nudge to subscribe and have a listen. And if for some reason you want to go above and beyond the pod listener duty call sheet, then please also give the show a shiny review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to your episodes on. And if you can, do donate a few pennies or even pounds to the ko-fi.com forward slash parpoilbro or patreon.com forward slash parpoilbro pages. Um, thanks, as always, to Acast, my brother, the last sceptic, who has yet another tune out called Scumbag Anthem, so do check that out, as I mentioned earlier. And to Cat Day, aka at Coracle Flask on Twitter for the linear liner notes this will be back next week when johnson unveils his new plan to turn all of ireland into one giant border that can only be crossed by passing a series of futuristic challenges that don't exist yet but he remembers them from the film the running man so it must be true bye this week's show was sponsored by british fruit because hey we may as well use it for something
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.